Well, this is very exciting. Very, very difficult guest to book tonight for the uh, Creator Podcast. Um, we've been trying to get her on, trying to get her on. Nobody could uh, connect with her. Um, we are very excited to have the lovely and talented Willow Houston, wife of Creator host Darrell Houston, on the line with us. Willow, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me, guys. I'm excited to to talk to you. And just I mean, to, I guess I talk to Darrell every day, but yeah. <laughs> well, you talk to Darrell, your husband, and the father of your children, but not Darrell, the, the you know, podcast host. That's, Same beast, uh, different animal. I was going to say, I feel like I might. <laughs> uh, well, let me just paint a picture. You would think that these two would be sitting right next to each other, but they're in two separate rooms in the house because um, we're just not that good at technology. So... Um, so uh, upstairs, downstairs situation here as as we record this episode, um, but very excited to uh, talk to Willow about um, her creative pursuits. Uh, I, I think my first question is, what is the your favorite thing, Willow, that you and Darrell have created together? Oh, uh, am I, I guess, is this, can I say winter in Zion? Or <laughs> like, is that mature level? I don't know. I is thought that- I- I thought I was going to be able to trick you into saying one or the other. Oh. <laughs> no. Not a chance. I need both of them in my life. Well, if you ask me, I have a clear favorite. No, you don't. Um, no, actually, let's get into that a little bit. How, how are the girls similar and how are they different? Uh, so they both are just... So it's it's interesting because I prayed for two strong women, right? I prayed that they would just know who they were in Christ and nothing would phase them and they would be strong in who they are. Be careful what you pray for. Exactly. And then now that I have them, I'm like, oh, wait, I have to raise. <laughs> the Nobody told me I had to raise these people. <laughs> like, so, yeah, so they're both just very strong-willed, which I am so grateful for. I'm so proud of them for that. Um, they are different in, I think, so Winter is just creative, like, in general, she's, like, sketching um, fashion design, she's sketching dresses, like, she's she's very creative, she wants to make things pretty. I think Zion is creative in her character, that she's just a clown, like, she just is always up for a laugh, always trying to make people laugh, and she just, like, knows how to use that cuteness of hers, um... I pray. I always pray that she uses her powers for good. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that Darrell more frequently uh, reports on this podcast when she uses them for evil. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's cute is, now, but. which is more often. Yeah. <laughs> well, for those who have not met uh, Winter and Zion, they they are the kind of kids who give off this vibe like I've been here before. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, it's like sometimes kids, you feel like, oh, I'm watching them discover life and stuff like that. Winter and Zion, just like they, they, they've owned a room since the moment I met them. Um, and, and they just, they both have that, that strong personality for sure. Um, they are, yeah, beautiful and strong. And I look forward to all of the things that we get to, we get to watch them do. And, and you guys have front row seats to that. Um, so I was not able to trick you on the, what's your favorite thing you and Darrell have created. So other than your sparkling, glorious children, 
what is the favorite, uh, your favorite thing, Willow, that you and your husband have created together? Hmm. I think, like, I guess it's it's difficult because we work so closely together, and I think that anytime we've done ministry together, I feel like we've complimented each other and just tried our best to create a space where our people feel loved and encouraged. Um, and it takes both of us doing that um, when it comes to, you know, ministering to people. Um, so I, I, I think that that's, I guess, our life. Like, I don't know. Unless you're talking about a physical thing, um, I think just anything that we've done in a collaborative sense when it comes to ministry and people. Well, and I, I got to see that, you know, growing up. The Salvation Army ministry model is unique mm -hmm. because, um, for those who don't know, if you're an ordained minister in the Salvation Army and you are going to be married, you have to be married to another ordained minister in the Salvation Army. We call them officers. Um, mm -hmm. But it is, you know, that is very unique in faith traditions, in church leadership, um, I saw a tweet today where a, a female uh, clergy person said um, that a man came up to her and said, I don't believe in female clergy. And she said to him, well, I'm standing right here. So um, <laughs> that, uh, yes, they, they do exist. But, but since the earliest days of the Salvation Army, William and Catherine Booth are now rightly credited, I think, with being the founders of the Salvation Army. For years, we gave all the credit to William. Um, but it is a very unique ministry model in that both of you are ordained, both of you preach, and the, the model really does rely on both of your gift sets working together to build that congregation, to meet the needs of the community you're called to serve, uh, now to run a summer camp and youth programs and all that stuff. Um, where do you feel like, you know, that model has, has strength for the two of you? Um, I think that we balance each other pretty well. I think that something that we both have for each other is mutual respect. Um, and I think that that's important, obviously, when you're collaborating. Um, I think the other part is that I think that God speaks to us um, the same way, but differently. I know that that probably sounds weird, but I think that God gives us each, uh, we have our own intimate relationship with him where we can come to each other and say, I think this is where God is, is pulling us or pulling the core. Um, and we will listen to each other because we know um, who we are in Christ as individuals, but also that he's gifted us with different gifts. For instance, I, I think I, I lean more towards program and um, serving and different things like that, whereas Darrell has more of a organizational mindset or admin, and he, yeah, we just balance each other. And I know that like it's because God has called us to it, so called us to this ministry together, that He's equipped each of us with what we would need to um, best fulfill what He's called us to do. Terrell, if Willow had not been called the Salvation Army officership, what, what do you think she would be doing with her life? Like, what, what, what would the other professional pursuits have been um, if it weren't for the call to officership? If I, if I didn't rescue her from oh life without me, um, I, think, I think Willow's the type of person that would have found some way to be engaged with people um, 
So be, her, her work before becoming an officer had her in a position to be doing customer service in a sense uh, through her corporation. But uh, I think she would be working with people in some uh, authentic and one-on-one -on -one sense. So it's well documented on the show, Willow, that um, Darrell is a woodworker, and we've talked about specific projects. The logo for the podcast is is the background is one of his pieces of wood from the woodpile. Um, you are a, a a physical creator with a different tool. Uh, you're big into the cricket. Yes. And so this uh, explain to the the uninitiated uh, what a cricket is. So it's a machine that my lovely husband bought me one Christmas. And so you can pretty, it's almost limitless in what you could create because you can use it to create stencil for vinyls. You can even cut thin wood. Um, you can use it for, I think I use it the most for like iron-on. It's saved many um, of school uh What's it, what are those things called? Like when you have to have these certain days in school for the girls. Oh my goodness, I can't, the word escaped me. Like holidays or? Yeah, or like theme days. Like theme we're days. orange okay. today or whatever. Okay. So it. like the last thing I created was um, winter's 100th day of school. So they wanted you to have 100 of something on an outfit. So I used the cricket and we had 100 hearts and it said 100 days of loving school and boom <laughs> we went it's, it's so things like that where you can um you can use paper like it's it's hard to explain because it really it's a cutting machine but what you can do on it is just limitless yeah it sounds like that's a lot easier than uh gluing a hundred pieces of pasta to your child's uh you know exactly. old t-shirt <laughs> or whatever um, well that and winter is very um she likes things simple and neat so if I would have glued like a hundred of like pastas or like those, um, those like little, um, fuzzy balls or whatever, she would have lost it. But I got to iron on some hearts and she was like, this is great. And is there a, a desktop publishing kind of portion to the cricket? Like, like how do you create the design? How do you, you know what I mean? Before you cut it, how does, how does it get created? I mean, legally? Um, <laughs> so there is you never want to hear that when you ask questions. <laughs> no, so there is this thing called Cricut Design, and you can um, buy like their designs that they sell. What I do is typically design on my own um, or steal it off of Google. And then you're printing onto... Like, like, are you printing onto paper and then it cuts it out in the material that you want? Like, how, do, how yes. does Cricut so, know what to cut? So, yes. So, what you do is you'll, um, let's say you want a heart. So, you'll put, you'll go into Design Space and you will find a heart. Um, and then you'll clean out all the excess part and it you'll just kind of erase everything except the heart. Then you put it on Design Space and then you pretty much load your mat. And with vinyl, wood, uh, paper, whatever you want your heart on, whatever material you want it on, and then you kind of just put it through the Cricut, and it comes out. It's so simple. I know it sounds so silly, but that's that's really it. And one color designs, typically. No, right? you oh, can no. you can layer like if you want it more than one color, you can layer things. Um, yeah, like you 
like I said, the, the possibilities are really endless. If you just, if you have the time and um, the eye, you can do pretty much whatever you want on it. And then this is a very unique platform because not only is it this cutting thing, but it's also a wireless company. Uh, it's not the same one, but yes. Oh, oh okay. All right. So uh, Cricket Wireless is the traditional spelling, and Cricut is C R I C U T. Yeah. So yeah, people call it Cricket, Cricut. Um, yeah, I've heard different names for it. I call yeah, it Cricket. I, I can imagine certain people from New Jersey calling it Cricut. That just sounds like you know, right up the uh, the, the New Jersey pronunciation, um, you know, kind of guidebook uh, to call it Cricut. I had to Google how to say it. Yeah, I guess that's fair. <laughs> what did we do before Google? Life I know, was that's impossible. Very true. We, just, we just didn't know. Exactly. We, just, we didn't know the things. Um, actually, our kids, uh, as they would read on their own, sometimes you'd get that little glimpse into how they pronounced a word. And, you know, it, and it t totally makes sense, especially if you have young readers, mm -hmm. that they just sort of figure out how they think the word is pronounced. Um, and sometimes you don't find out until far after they sort of came up with that pronunciation. Um, so that's, it, it is very fascinating sometimes to hear how the words come out from our kids. Mm -hmm. Now that they're 14 to 20, for the most part, they've gotten over that. But, you know, it still pops up sometimes. It still pops up for me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, Darrell, do you have any questions for our guest? Yeah, I, I always have questions like, what are you doing? Um, why aren't you answering your phone? What? Um, can you stop sending me TikToks? I have all sorts of questions. Um, what? But no, I think that when we talk about um, COVID creators and people who are creative, one mm -hmm. thing to know about Willow is she's always going to undersell herself. So she, even in her description of what she does on the cricket, um, she she makes it seem like she's just plugging. But there is some skill that goes into it. And we know this because if it was as easy as she makes it sound, I would be sneakily using her machine all the time. But I, I mean, to be so. fair, you still asked me to make coffee on the coffee machine. So. That's a very complicated machine. <laughs> it's not. I gotta take a picture and we're gonna put it in the episode notes. This isn't a regular coffee machine. I don't think Steve Jobs could use it. So okay, it, it's a, the cricket machine itself is not as simple to use as she makes it sound. Um, but it's a it's a CNC machine, and and I think that when you talk about inputting ideas it's not so much what the machine does but what you see as the end product and i think that's one of the areas where willow has a lot of skill where she can see a finished product um, as she's making it or at the very least can conceptualize what she wants to see so i guess my idea would be what is the the thing that you've had the most fun making I think, so I think anytime it has anything to do with the girls. So, um, Darrell posted uh, a while ago a picture of Zion in like a field and the, the dress says, um, she is strong and then it has a Proverbs verse underneath it. So I was able to like create that dress where, um, just to reiterate to Zion, like you are strong, like anything that I create. For the girls that would just reiterate who they are, I've made um, shirts that say Afro-Latina on it for um, Hispanic Heritage Month. And it's things that we couldn't find in the store that I was able to create and just remind them of um, how special they are and 
I think things like that, that's probably my, like anything that would bring a smile to anybody's face that I create would be my, my favorite thing. Well, and I do think that that is, you know, the direction that so many people want to go now. Mm -hmm. It's not enough to just wear the brand that everybody else is wearing. We, we all sort of want to establish our own brand. Um, or even if we don't sort of put it in those terms, the ability to customize a t-shirt. I just sent uh, t-shirts to my sister-in-law for her for her birthday that I had designed and printed through, you know, through Redbubble with the boxer and the beard. And um, it was so cool to be able to make a, a very specific shirt just for her. Um, and she very much enjoyed it and then got to enjoy it a second time around when I sort of explained that I had created that, you know, t-shirt mm -hmm. design. That wasn't something that I, um, I found online or whatever. I, I think that ability to customize things, um, like you were saying, products you can't find in a store that are very particular to you or to the girls or, uh, or whatever, that's really been the explosion of of customizability. You know, it used to be that if you wanted to make a custom t-shirt, you had to go down to the shop that had the felt letters and they would iron them on or do whatever. But now you can, you can create anything. Um, no, it's important to be able, like, I remember growing up, uh, my name's Willow. So like, I never saw anything with my name on it ever. Um, so like being able now to create something for people who, who you can't find your name anywhere, like that's so enjoyable to me. It was extra painful for me as a kid named Drew because my brother's name was on every license plate, you know, keychain thing, whatever you you could find. But Drew was rarely out there. It was always Andrew or something like that, and that was not a name I considered mine. But yes, with a name like Willow, it's even more difficult. Or you know, a name like Daryl, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. If if Larry Ashcraft is running the machine. <laughs> Um, so do you have a favorite cricket thing that you have ever created? This is just Drew jumping in in the middle of the edit to say, yes, I realize Darrell already asked this question, but Willow expanded on it in this answer, so I left it in the podcast. Now back to your regularly scheduled program. Favorite cricket thing I have ever created? Um, I, do th I do think the girls... That, like she is strong with the proverbs. I think that's probably my favorite uh, because it's it's more than just creating that dress. Like I created that dress because I wanted to take pictures with the girls because I wanted to create this aesthetic in how having them kind of match but look differently would look in a photo that I can save forever. You know, like it's I guess because when I make things, I see a bigger picture of it. It's not just the dress. It's the fact that I have this specific dress, the fact that we're going to go take these specific pictures and I'm going to have these specific pictures forever. Um, yeah, I think that's it. And then besides the cricket, I, I do hand crochet now. Um, so for Christmas, I was able to make uh, my mom and my sister like these big fluffy hand crocheted blankets. And I think that that like besides the cricket, that's probably my second favorite thing that I've made is just uh, seeing my little sister wrapped up in her in her blanket <laughs> walking around the house during Christmas time. And so hand crochet is you do it with your fingers instead of with crocheting needles? Yes. So I can't seem to my brain doesn't seem to figure out how to use the crochet hooks. It's like um, a but, coffee machine. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, but my hands understand how crocheting works um, in the knotting. And so the yarn that you use for 
like regular crochet is pretty thin but the ones that you use for a hand crochet is it's called chunky yarn so it's pretty thick um, so the blankets that you make are, are more of like a, a fleecy um, thick material um, so they're really comfortable uh, not that other crochet blankets aren't these are just very like yeah, they feel you good. You got to make sure you clarify that you don't want to yeah. start beefing these crochets. Never, <laughs> ne and I'm sure I'm the minority in this. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. So I just use my hands and I make these these blankets. I do actually have a little bit of personal experience with this because Sydney has done some hand crochet, and she created some slippers. I really think for herself. Um, but then her, her mother um, sort of commandeered them. Uh, so Jen's walking around in the hand crocheted slippers, and you're absolutely root and right. It's, you know, this sort of this fluffy, very nice feel. Um, so then I felt badly that Jen was walking around in Sydney's slippers. So I bought Jen some very nice slippers for Christmas, which remain in the box because she <laughs> continues to wear the hand crocheted slippers from Sydney. They're so comfy. Yes, and unlike a blanket, slippers get some downward pressure put mm -hmm. on them and so they're you know they're sort of wearing thin in spots and stuff like that and i'm like i i can't believe that you know this christmas gift is basically gathering dust in the corner <laughs> while you wear out uh sydney's poor hand crocheted slippers but uh, yes that is a lot of comfort and um and no hooks to deal with so that's uh that's an added feature so I wanted to ask you, would you still be married if Darrell didn't custom build you anything you wanted in the wood shop? Um, <laughs> no, yes. <laughs> you said no first. And it was like, that was I was going to say, I was going to bring up, no, no, no. I was going to bring up the blanket ladder, but I was like, no, be the bigger person. Let it go. And I was absolutely right in that story. So I don't mind. If no, you, you were not. Uh, did he ever tell you he gave away the blanket ladder that he made me and I still don't have a blanket ladder in my house it's true twice he gave away a blanket ladder that he made me um so we're still married so yes <laughs> I think the part of that story <laughs> she's leaving out which is very important is I didn't give it away I sold it but it wasn't yours <laughs> <laughs> possession is nine tenths of the law and it was in my hands I am using the mute button more in this episode than I ever have before because I'm just enjoying the interplay between the two of you. So, this so, is every day in the youth department. Like seriously, I don't so, doubt that. I, I will. I will confess that I'll, I'll make her. I'll make something for the house. I'll take a picture, and somebody will go, "Oh, that's nice. Could you make me one?" I'm like, "Oh, I can just sell you this one, and I'll just do that." So we don't have a. We so don't I don't feel like I really get anything. <laughs> You have so the answer is yes, because we are still married. <laughs> you have temporary possession of things. Yeah, that, exactly. That it's like a rental. <laughs> we used to have a shoe rack, a bench, yeah. a coat rack, a bunch of other things. Mm -hmm. Oh, the knife thing? The like oh, the, magnet knife holder? Oh, the magnetic knife yep. holder was fun while it lasted. <laughs> I went to put my knife on the wall and, and it, it fell right down. <laughs> <laughs> That's also true. Let me ask you, Willow, the question I asked about, uh, I asked of Darrell earlier, if Darrell had not been called to Salvation Army Officership, what, what do you think he would be doing with his life? Um, I think it would be um, the same situation as Zion, where I would just be praying that he uses his powers for good. Uh, but other than that, <laughs> I give I think... compliments. She gets on here and tells the world, I don't know how to use a coffee machine. <laughs> 
You know, we got tens of listeners, and you're embarrassing me. <laughs> this is probably why Darrell like kept pushing. Like, no, she's busy tonight. <laughs> she can't make it. That's right. Uh, no, I think he would. I honestly think he would be into. Oh my goodness, this is gonna sound like I don't believe in him, but I do. I promise. Um, I think he would be like a governor or a mayor. I think he would be into like some sort of councilman. I think he would be doing something in the community of Newark where he's in a leadership role and just kind of moving up from there. Absolutely. Because I think it goes like uh, me, Winter Zion, and then like Newark as his first and second loves. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Well, he hasn't changed his uh, Facebook is it your profile pic or your cover? Oh, and, like no property, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's been like that for like 10 years. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, what is uh, your favorite thing, Willow, that, that Darrell has created either for you or to uh, sell or give away to somebody else? <laughs> <laughs> like what, what's the thing that's really amazed you? Like I can't believe that came out of our garage or, or now our basement. <laughs> so uh this past birthday he created i really wanted a new vanity set um so he created this beautiful little we have a nook in our in our bedroom that you can kind of slide a, a van well i had a vanity but it was falling apart um and then sh there was no shelves on top of it for me so i had like all my makeup just a mess all over this place so he created a vanity and then shelves to go on top of it so i can organize my makeup and the hair products that I use on myself and the girls and it was probably it's my favorite I mean it's my favorite place but I don't get to use it because now it's the girl's favorite place sounds about right and, yeah. and I identify with your your nook uh, we're actually I'm recording this I'm in a a, a micro hotel in Washington DC um, I think the bedroom is the size of a king size bed. So like you have to spec the full size because you couldn't walk around if there was a king and I'm sitting at a desk, uh, and we'll also put this up in the show notes. There's about six inches on the backside and to the right of my laptop. That's how small this desk is. Um, and I'm jammed into the corner up against like the heating unit in the room. And literally if I move, I, I bash my knee on the desk or my back on the heating unit. So, um, this is, this may be the most unique place I've ever recorded a podcast <laughs> other than that place in Alexandria where um, somebody had clearly broken through the door like psycho style and they just kind of glued it back together again. So this is much nicer than that um, in, DC's, yes, in, in DC's Chinatown um, with some delicious Peruvian wings. Um, Darrell, did you have any other questions for your lovely better half? Well, I, I think uh, around more of her creative abilities, I'll share that a lot of times some of the stuff that I make um, – what, I, what you guys might see on social media isn't the first rendition of it. Uh, sometimes she gives me collaborative uh, feedback in terms of the design and, and how things look. And uh, so it, it's, I think that she, she works well with others in her creativity. Um, I would say, or ask rather, how do you feel like your creativity is being used in your current role uh, through the vocation of the Salvation Army? Ah, good question. That is a good question. Um, I feel like... I feel like... Um, I'm blessed that we have a great team at the youth department. Um, I love that 
uh, when I think I do work better when I'm in a small team. So I'll, I'll preface that by saying a small team setting um, where different ideas are being thrown and I can just be like, yes, and it sparks something in my mind that will then be creative um, to kind of um, add to whatever we're talking about. So I'm, I'm grateful that we have a creative team. Um, I love that I get to uh, work with my husband, Amy and Jerome, um, when it comes to programming, especially uh, this next, um, I think, Ignite would be really fun. Um, we're going to do Octopus Olympics, and um, it's just fun to be able to work with people who are passionate about um, bringing the word of God, but in a way that meets people where they're at. So we're going to go, you know, see some teens and teens. Um, you can't, I feel like they won't listen if you just talk to them, but, um, I mean, I think they would, but there is something about creatively thinking about how to specifically reach them. Um, it, that is, that is just magical when we do come together. Um, so I think in this setting, I'm able to program wise, just think about all the fun things and plan them with uh, a team that allows me to use my voice and respects my opinions just as I respect theirs. Um, I think the more difficult part for me is probably because I do oversee candidates. Um, and then for that, it's just a lot of, um, I guess just under, like, I'm an encourager in the sense that like I want people to do well. And I think in that role, it's just a little bit more difficult because I'm like, I want you to do these things. You can do these things, but you can't force anybody to do anything, right? So I think um, being encouraging is great, but I think it's hard when, you know, it really the the majority of the work does depend on other people, and that's where it can be a little bit more difficult. So. I, I want to kind of go in two different directions here. Let's take the candidates one because we're on it, and then we'll come back to Oc Octopus Olympics. Um, <laughs> so we've done a certain amount of cultural interpretation because, mm -hmm. you know, of the Salvation uh, Army. of the five people who listen to this podcast, um, at least one of them may not be like a dyed-in-the-wool Salvationist. So, um, so the way the Salvation Army goes about recruiting people to become ministers in the church um, and executive directors of the of the the core community centers, it's it's unique. Typically, someone will go to a seminary and then they will candidate at a church to see if they can become the pastor of that church and that kind of thing. We, we kind of do it in a different way where um, part of your responsibility is to recruit people who may be interested in Salvation Army officership as a vocation, and then you're working through the things they need to do in order to be accepted into the College for Officer Training, which is Salvation Army Speak for Seminary. It's a two-year program. Um, so walk us through that that process. You just said, you know, I want this for you. I want you to be able to achieve this. W what are some of those specific challenges when you're dealing with folks as they are preparing to make this big sacrifice with their life, but also their, they, they need to be at a certain level in order to be able to go to the College for Officer Training? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think um, it's a blessing because one of my favorite things that God has called me to do is to disciple people. And um, I love, like, as the 
as Darrell mentioned, I love one-on-one -on -one, uh, meaningful conversation. So I do love that aspect of it. I think that the difficulty then comes is that um, I have a hard time or not necessarily that I have a hard time, but it's that I can't do the work for them. And for me, I would love to do or lift a burden for somebody if I can. But um, there are certain things that they have to do that they have to um, get, like uh, like the paperwork. I can't fill out their paperwork, you know. Um, the um, the preaching, I can't preach for them. I can't. I can't. Um, they have to have a meaningful relationship with God, an intimate relationship for God. I can't have that relationship for them. So I think those things where it's like. Um, when you're depending on somebody else or not depending on somebody else, but when somebody else has to do their job in order for you to be able to move forward, um, it can be, it can be difficult. I also, Jarrell knows this. I have trust issues. It's not a big deal. <laughs> I just do. Um, but yeah, like I think those aspects, uh, because for me, I'm like, oh yes, like, I know that the Lord can use you. The Lord can use um, the weakest of peoples, but you have to be willing. And if a person's not willing, then, I mean, I I can't do anything. Like, the Holy Spirit is the one that, that does these things, right? Um, and I think sometimes that can be a little bit difficult. And you are both relatively young, uh, although Darrell has told me he's all of a sudden become an old head and people are coming to him for advice and stuff. But, oh um, my goodness, don't get me started. But a lot of the people that you are working with in order in, in this candidate uh, work, um, they, they tend to be younger. Are you dealing with second career folks? Um, you know, what, what's kind of the average age of the, the population you're working with in that regard? So right now we kind of have a, a mix, right? Yeah, I would say uh, so. Yeah, so we have a mix right now. Um, when I when I arrived, um, the the two candidates that went in were fairly young. Uh, they were very young. They were probably in their twenties. Um, but yeah, right now I think. Yeah, I think for me, and I don't know if it's because of me being a mama now. Um, when we do have like younger candidates, I'm like taking them under, I feel like I'm like, I have more, um, responsibility for them for some reason. Um, whereas if it's older candidates, I'm like, eh, you, you know, you know, it's full <laughs> Ivan Drago. When they're over 30. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what I was going to ask. I mean, it, it's, it, it is sort of a strange dynamic, right? If you're dealing with somebody who is, you know, five, 10 years older than you, and they're not following through, mm -hmm. um, and you're tasked with this responsibility, but you're much younger than them, and you're saying, "Hey, you know, like, you got to get your act together." I mean, that that is a, a challenging thing, right? Yeah. Well, to be fair, we haven't really had to to be there yet. Um, I think it's just more of the looking to the future, like just seeing. Like, I think for me, it's hard to depend on others for things in general. So this role in a way that I am I am vulnerable in that sense and that can be a little bit daunting for me. Well, Captain Leslie Nags, who is um, a, a very capable and very independent person like you, uh, talked in uh, season two, episode four about the need to um, step back and allow others 
to uh, step in and, and do some of those things. And that, that was a challenge for her, to trust somebody else to, to kind of step up and, and do what it took. But she also talked about how that unlocked so many, so many more things for their ministry when it wasn't all about what Jay and Leslie could do. It was mm. about what Jay and Leslie could do in partnership with other people. And, and, um, and, and that can be a, a really difficult thing to do, especially because as Salvation Army ministry goes, you typically land in a congregation where there aren't a lot of local leaders and so much falls on the responsibility of the core officers that then learning to let people in and use their gifts later on in your Salvation Army ministry, that's like a new challenge for you because you're not used to that. You're not used to having people who are gifted around you. Mm-hmm. And you do have some extremely gifted people uh, around you and um, one of them has a, a voice <laughs> that still lingers in my mind and uh, and I think about it at least once a day in uh, in Jerome's uh, incredible voice but uh, Jerome and Amy are <laughs> He phen- does. Doesn't he have like the best it's like podcast? Unbelievable. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. So they both do. They both just sound so. They good. really do. They really do. If I had to pick one of them. I'm going Jerome. <laughs> but but either one of them could have had a radio career in a heartbeat. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So um, you do get the privilege to to work with them, and um, it, it, so it's a privilege. But there is also this immense challenge, right? Because you are trying to get the attention of today's teenagers who have a supercomputer dopamine releaser in their hands, 24 hours a day. And it's like, how can you even get them to look up from their devices? So um, tell us a little bit about Ignite and and in particular about this Octopus Olympics. (laughs) Um, So our last Ignite uh, went went really well. Um, I think that... What is Ignite? So yes, thank you. Ignite is a teen and young adult night at the Salvation Army. We do it regional at a core or a church. Um, and so we have devotion, we have food, of course, and then we have some sort of activity afterwards. And it lasts about, what, two to three hours, Jerome, would you say? three hours or so. Yeah. Um, so the last one we had was in Columbus. This one is in Cincinnati, so we're excited because it's a little closer. Um, and then we kind of just collaborated. We want to do something different every time so that the teens aren't expecting the same thing. Um, and so we came up with Octopus Olympics, um, which is basically going to be Squid Games, uh, but an appropriate version for teenagers. Nobody's dying. <laughs> Nobody oh is dying. Oh, Maybe silly string. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's, I think it'll be really fun. Um, and I think that that's what it is. It's like, how do we... Like we, Squid Games was what huge during COVID, right? It was kind of it's kind of taken off. Absolutely. Um, so we're we're trying to say how do we meet them where they are with something that they'll understand, and um, you know, open that door so that uh, they'll let us in because it's something that they have they know, you know. I feel like being, you know, out there, you're not really in the South, but Cincinnati sometimes feels like the South that thinks it's in the South. So maybe you can do a Tiger King uh, takeoff the next time, bring in some baby tigers and, you know. Um, I, think, I think in Ohio it would be the Coyote King. <laughs> the Coyote King. <laughs> everywhere. That's true. Um, yeah, I mean, well, definitely don't the, let the, the girls. If the Bengals win, I think, yeah, that would be great. <laughs> well, there you go. Bengal King. Yeah. Right. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, it certainly is an exciting time to be in Cincinnati. By the time this goes up, we will know whether or not uh, Joe Burrow has brought uh, brought joy uh, to Cincinnati or not. Well, I think he already has. Safe to say, yeah, uh, making the Super oh, Bowl yeah. has been incredible for that um, for that region. Um, yeah, yeah Winter has never been into football. I don't. I didn't even think she knew what it was. And she came home, you know, who day, who day? And I was like, what? <laughs> when, well, they were, when they were playing the Chiefs, she said to me before the game, Daddy, I really hope the Bengals win. <laughs> I know. I'm like, what? Well, she is a cheerleader, right? Yeah. That's true. She is. And she, she did like Ohio State when we were in Columbus. She did. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> so um, what I was going to ask about, you know, the youth ministry stuff. Um, I, I mean, when, when I was a kid growing up in the Salvation Army, like the most fun we had was uh, a monthly roller skating night. Um, and literally, like that took next to no creativity, right? It was, um, you'd show up at some sort of, you know, cheesy, dusty uh, roller skating rink, and then um, the most creativity that the youth department had to put into it was what they were going to do with the devotional. And the devotional was five minutes of kids sitting uh, until their butts got numb on the roller rink floor and trying not to roll their little roller skates back and forth and make a bunch of noise. Um, It's a much more sort of production-oriented um, version of youth ministry that's that's going on uh, these days. Uh, but, mm-hmm. but tell us about those moments of connection when, you know, the brainstorming is fun and you come up with that stuff, but um, I, either one of you, you know, can you think about a moment in your current ministry when you've just seen it click with kids and that all that hard work, all that production, all that creativity felt like it really paid off because you were able to give them an encounter with God? Mm-hmm. I think for me, especially, I think of, um, you know, that Jesus wanted the children to come to him, right? You think of that verse in in Mark. And I think that for me, I think allowing children to be moved by the Holy Spirit is important. Um, Giving them that space, you know, like when you, you gave your scenario of like, them being in a like there's nothing wrong with being in a roller rink and having the devotion I'm sure it was fun um, but I, I do think that for me I want children um, even at the youngest age to know that Jesus wants a relationship with them and can use them um, so I think that being intentional about the worship that we're doing or I guess the praise and worship because everything we do in that sense is worship but the the praise and worship of allowing them to dance, to move, to sing is important. Um, not giving them a watered-down devotion, but giving them something that they can understand at their level, but that is spiritually sound and something that they can um, add to their spiritual walk is important for me as well. Um, yeah, I think that for me, creating that environment of like, you know, Jesus isn't for when you're grown up and can do things. It's, he's for you right now, and the Holy Spirit can use you right now. That's beautiful. Yeah. I think um, with Ignite, which is, you know, this, this idea to center a program around youth worship um, and engagement, it's one of the only places where you can tell a teenager, hey, Jesus loves you. Um, and then go into the gym and try and decapitate them with a dodgeball. <laughs> but they still remember the Jesus loves you part. Um, a story that sticks out to me in our Columbus visit 
there was a young man whose father uh, is dealing with some addiction issues or centered around alcoholism. And um, he was very new. This was actually his first Salvation Army event, his first church event. And uh, he was a little reserved. And by the end of the night, you could just see that for just those three hours, he was a teenager who was surrounded by a community that cared about him. And he was just allowed to be. And I think that that's a unique opportunity that we get when doing youth worship and, and youth ministry is that you get to remind them that who they are is welcome in that space. And uh, it's just great to be able to participate um, with them. And, and it's just a wonderful opportunity that we're so privileged to have. And really, Darrell, for you, that's coming full circle. I mean, that sounds an awful lot like your story of how you encountered the Salvation Army in the first place was that, you know, it was a, a place of safety for you, a sanctuary, and there was always food there. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That food part, even though it can sound like a joke, that is huge. Yeah. To this day, if you want me to show up to a place, start with the food. Well, I think that it's, you know, it's the mission of the Army, right? We're meeting basic human needs and food is a way to meet that need well a and very it's a, easy it, way it's also biblical i mean that you mm -hmm. know if you look at the examples of the community around jesus so much of those community examples were around food in one way or another yeah well I th oh go ahead i was gonna say and i know for myself if i'm hungry i can't hear anything anybody's saying so yes well, food is important. William Booth, the founder, one of the founders of the Salvation Army, had this saying, um, nobody ever got saved while he had toothache. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think hunger is, is the same thing, right? Um, uh, dental care has improved greatly since uh, the Jack the Ripper days of, of the East End of London. Um, right. But people are still hungry. Um, and, mm -hmm. and, you know, if we're not, it, it, sometimes I think people say, well, you know, I'd really like for somebody have, to have this spiritual connection, but if we're not meeting their physical need first, and that is one of the unique aspects of Salvation Army ministry is that we feel called to meet their physical needs almost before their spiritual needs because of the practical element of, we know you can't really think vertically if right. you're hungry. Mm -hmm. Amen. And uh, one, of, one of my favorite William Booth quotes um, in terms of doing ministry in, in rough areas or even bad weather, like, you know, we have all these excuses about, like, why we can't go or why we can't do. And uh, he said, you know, if it's safe enough for DoorDash, it's safe enough for the Salvation Army. <laughs> and, and I thought he was really on the something. He was very ahead of his time. Yes. Some might say. <laughs> Well, Darrell, oh if you don't God. have any more questions, I think we can go into the pulse. Let's do it. Um, I actually have to think about my answers for the pulse. Uh, What's our, the pulse? So the pulse is a regular feature that we do on the podcast, and you have just outed yourself as <laughs> not being a regular listener to your husband's <laughs> podcast. He's on so many things. <laughs> She's my biggest hater. That's going to be a not. whole other episode. I heard, so I did, no, I have heard, <laughs> I've heard a couple of episodes. No, Maybe didn't. one, but <laughs> more than Jen, I can definitely say that. Um, Jen, Jen only likes three things that I've ever created in my life, uh, and their names are Riley, Sydney, and Luke. Um, so the pulse is a regular feature in which we ask our guest, and then we also answer. And we start with it's five questions. Uh, we start with what are you watching? I am a 
sucker for reality TV. Uh, so right now I am watching Married at First Sight. Uh, a, a Camp Wonderland alum met his wife on that show. Yes, I saw. Yeah, Jeff, what was his that. name? Jeff T. Pierre. Jeff D. Yeah, yes, that's... they were like my favorite couple too. Yeah, and um, they're still together as far as I, mm -hmm. as far as I know. So that is oh, yeah. pretty incredible. Um, wa I watched their like after shows too. <laughs> uh, Jeff D. Jeff D. was quite a distraction when he was at camp. Um, any any gentleman who can uh, make his own pectoral muscles dance is going to get some attention <laughs> at camp, and Jeff D. He does have that those. skill. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Gotcha. But an incredibly sweet guy, an incredible story. He's the oldest of double-digit numbers of siblings. Um, so a, a real, you know, person of character and, you know, kind of a dad long before he ever went on that show because of, you know, helping to raise his, his younger siblings. Quite a guy. Uh, I am watching uh, The Tinder Swindler. I saw, is that good? <laughs> um, it's, it's another one of these absolutely crazy stories that you cannot believe actually happened. Um, and, and I think what, what gets me about stories like this is that the women in my life are so perceptive and so on top of stuff that smells fishy. And, and these women who have fallen for some of these scam guys, it's like, they're not stupid people, but, but these, you know, according, apparently this guy just had such a magnetism about him and such a believability about him that, that they fell for it. And it's just an unbelievable story of, I mean, basically he swindled one woman out of money so that he could appear rich for the next woman he was going to con. And so, you know, the first date was like a trip on a private jet. So then when he asks for money and has some, it's kind of a cockamamie story, but it kind of sounds like it could be real. You're more inclined to give up that money because, you know, on your first date, he whisked you away to another country on a private jet. Um, it's it's quite amazing. It's a it's just a movie. It's not a it's like a, a two hour thing. It's not uh, multiple parts. Uh, uh, the Tinder swindler, um, very very God glorifying program there that uh, that I'm watching. Darrell, what are you watching? Another one um, because I only watch appropriate shows. Um, <laughs> It's called We Are All Dead, and it's about a zombie apocalypse in a high school set in China, and it's really, really good. I watched episode one, and uh, it's, it's, I just started it, and it's slow starting, kind of like Squid Games, but then the last 15 minutes, it really kicks up. What are you listening to, Willow? I am um, Encanto. I, we, I listen to We Don't Talk About Bruno. Pretty much every day. <laughs> I have two new designs up on Boxer and the Beard. One is we don't talk about Brandon, not to get political. Yep. <laughs> um, and then the other one is we don't talk about Uno. Uh, the, the oh, character. I saw. Did you hear the song? <laughs> no. Did somebody make it? I'm, I'm not surprised. Yes. yes. Very easy parody to make. What are you listening to, Darrell? I just finished episode six of Last Known Position. You're behind. No, that's the latest one. Oh, I thought it was eight. No, no, unless you got secret access. I don't know about <laughs> it. Uh, and there are pirates, so it's really picking up. Encanto uh, and, and Last Known Position have come up frequently on recent uh, episodes of The Pulse, so um, still still rolling with that one. Uh, I, 
I will say this. I listened to a podcast called uh, Smartless, which is Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and Sean Hayes. And, um, and the cool thing is uh, one person books the guest, and the other two hosts don't know who the guest is until they're, like, surprise introduced. And I got to go to a live taping of the show in Boston recently, and for whatever reason, I didn't think about the fact that they would probably do that same thing in the live show. I thought those three stars is like enough star power for me for one night, uh, you know, at the Wang Theater in downtown Boston. Well, uh, lo and behold, they brought out their surprise guest, and it was uh, Massachusetts' own Conan O'Brien. Oh, um, And uh, so that was just a phenomenal, phenomenal show. He and Will Arnett, going back and forth, they're two of the quickest people I've ever seen. Um, Are you a Will Arnett fan? You know, I was not before this podcast. Um, he, he kind of irritated me and stuff like that. Um, you know, obviously the voice work stuff is, is pretty incredible. Um, but, uh, but the podcast has caused him to really grow me because he's just so brilliant and so clever. Um, so his show Murderville, yes. have you seen, it's pretty good. Yeah. I watched the first episode. I understand the Marshawn Lynch episode is the one to watch and I haven't gotten to that one yet. It was pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I just did a quick Google, and Will Arnett <laughs> is not who I thought he was. I knew it. I knew you didn't know who that was. Did you think it was David Arnett? Nope. I thought it was the guy who played the cop in I Know What You Did Last Summer. So, that is David Arnett. Or Scream. Or Scream. I don't know. It could have been. I get these guys all mixed up. Wrong when Arnett. You, when you said the first name, all I could think of was the guy who plays Deadpool. And what? Just, <laughs> Ryan Reynolds? Yeah, I guess that's the one. Is oh he the goodness. is he the Hey Girl guy? That's Ryan Gosling. Oh, well, Ryan Gosling. Talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> they all look alike. No. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, We've had many conversations like this, Drew. They're the same guy. They come from a factory. I do not doubt it at all that you've had that conversation a number of times. Uh, it, it also seems like the kind of thing that Felipe and Annabelle Concha would also have multiple <laughs> conversations in that vein. Um, what are you reading? Darrell, what is the book I'm reading? The one that uh, you bought me? All the Missing Girls. Yes, that. Has been mentioned on the podcast before. Um, I, I love that. Um, how, how far into it are you? Ten pages. Okay. <laughs> not very far yet. <laughs> no, not far. Well, um, pay close attention. I guess that's all I'm going to say. Yeah. It, doesn't it start backwards? Right? Yes. Is that right? Yep. Okay, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's an interestingly structured book from a chronological perspective. Mm -hmm. And uh, I did admit on a, a previous episode, which you did not listen to, Willow, that um, I, <laughs> I, I did, had to I... go back and listen to it twice um, once I once I found out what was going on. I listened to it a second time to see you know if I could have seen what was it's coming. You know what it is? It's that my day is filled with Bluey and um, the Thundermans and Encanto. All and the more reason why you need the creator pod <laughs> in your life. Come on. Right. I like drive in silence. <laughs> like that's what I do now. Jen, Jen did that too when the kids were young and I thought she was a psychopath. Because <laughs> I always need something going in the car. Darrell, what are you reading? Right now, I just um, had to crack open a book. It's by uh, Will Jennings, and it's called The Christian Imagination, Theology and Origins of Race. Um, oh. uh, I'm working on some projects uh, for some folks in our organization, and I needed to brush up on some things that I had read once before. 
Well, I'm definitely adding that one to my Goodreads list. That sounds phenomenal. Um, I just finished a, a book called Master Thieves, and it is about the uh, Gardner Museum heist in Boston. Um, I love a good heist, and um, the the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum um, had the largest uh, single art heist, uh, you know, stolen artworks in history, um, and basically it was because the museum had little to no security, and two people dressed as Boston policemen broke in and stole a Rembrandt and a Vermeer and um, these incredible, uh, incredible paintings and stuff like that. And the word on the street is that it's tied to the Boston organized crime community and stuff like that. So um, it's, it's a fascinating uh, deal for anybody who lives in Boston or anybody who's sort of aware of fine art. It's, it's one of the most famous. And what they did at the Gardner is they, they left the frames in place. They literally cut a Rembrandt from the frame, the thieves did. And so that frame still hangs in the Gardner where that painting used to be. And, um, you know, it, it was in the 90s. There's, there's hope, a, a, a small bit of hope that they might be able to get these paintings back. But many, many attempts have been made to recover them and they have not gotten them. So uh, Master Thieves by Stephen Kirchin. The book was just okay, but the story is so rich that uh, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, that sounds interesting. What is God saying to you right now? So this this weekend we went on a young adult retreat and we kind of did like a liecto divina type of activity. Um, and I between that, um, I think that well, in the midst of doing that, God was just reminding me that he wants a more intimate relationship with just me and him. I think sometimes because of so many of my roles, a lot of my... Um, like I'm, I'm having devotions with my girls. I'm, you know, ministering to other people, pouring out to other people, pouring out my spirit to other people. And I, I think in the midst of that, God was just continuing to remind me like, hey, you know, me and you too. That's important. Um, so yeah, that's what God is saying to me. In my um, reading through the Bible in a year, the, the reading today was uh, included Exodus 35, which is in the, in the logo for the podcast because it's the uh, period when God, through Moses, called together all of the artisans, uh, all the people who worked with cloth and gold and silver and crickets and bandsaws and uh, shop vacs um, to, uh, to build the temple. Um, and so it was all of them using their gifts and then the, you know, all the children of Israel donating uh, to this project that it actually got to the point, and, and church leaders today would couldn't even fathom this. It got to the point where people had donated too much for the creation of this temple and Moses had to put his hands up and say, stop giving. Uh, can you imagine being the pastor of a congregation and telling them, you've given enough, stop giving. <laughs> um, but, uh, but I love that, that picture of all of those artisans coming together and um, really creating sort of a heaven on earth, a, a preview of what we can expect in heaven using their, their spiritual gifts uh, to create these, these artistic um, things. And, and I really cannot work with my hands. I'm, you know, uh, I'm a, a preacher, teacher, writer, but I, uh, I'm hope, I'm absolutely hopeless and helpless with my hands. So people like you, the both of you, just uh, amaze me in terms of what you can do with uh, handcrafts and, and things like that, and then the woodworking and, and all that. I can't do any of that stuff. Um, 
I, I just texted Sarah Lager this past week because I cut up some firewood with my miter saw and I was like, <laughs> it was the least artistic thing I've probably ever done, but um, but still using the miter saw was an awful lot of fun. Uh, she had said that was her favorite tool um, on when, when Darrell asked her that question when she was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. D uh, Willow, did you listen to that episode? <laughs> <laughs> I think I can answer that question for you. You know what it is? It's that I don't check my Facebook, and so you guys many usually, excuses. <laughs> you guys usually post it on Facebook. Oh, it's Facebook our fault. Okay, it's our fault. You should there send me, go. like, can I get an email, and then I could just click on it, and I will well, listen to you it. you got to subscribe to it first. <laughs> yeah. for you. Is there a way? Because I would. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's on Spotify, right? I did How listen to that? it on Spotify once. You it is. Yep, yeah, the creator mm -hmm. pod and Joe Rogan. Um... Oh, no, he's not. <laughs> he's canceled. We don't talk about him. Yes. We don't talk about Joe Rogan. We don't talk about Joe Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> That's my new sticker. Um, Darrell, what is God saying to you? You know, it's it's been really interesting. These We're in the middle of our hiring season for our summer camp. And uh, today we had a young man who came up in conversation. And he's got a, he's got a bit of a history. Uh, he's got a bit of a present <laughs> right now, really. Um, but God's really just been putting me in a mood and a season of advocating for others. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that that's just been highlighted as we discuss um, people we want to be at camp to minister to other uh, young people. But also recognizing that there's always people who need to be at camp who need to be ministered to. So that this, this really pressing sense of advocating. Well, and anybody who's ever been at a church camp knows that there are the kids who all the leaders know are, are kind of a, a risk or maybe a, uh, a bit of a, a problem waiting to happen. And then there are the rest of us who knew how to cover that up better than, mm -hmm. than that kid did, right? Right. Yeah. Um, the, the pastor's kids were the, were the worst, right? You, you never wanted to have them in your cabin. Um, my Spanish friends say horrible. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they don't say that, but um. <laughs> um, no. But Darrell, I think that's something that God has really gifted Darrell with is just being able to advocate for others, and um, I'm excited that he'll be able to do that this summer for sure. And I think it's it's one of those things where when you have strong male leaders, we've talked about mm -hmm. Jerome and Amy. Um, you know, when you have strong male leaders in an environment like that, you can you can take some risks, I guess, you know, you could say, um, you want to make sure that the camp program is, is intact and, and that, you know, you're, you're keeping everybody safe. But when you have strong leadership that you trust, you can look out for a kid who needs maybe a little bit of extra attention. Um, and a summer like that can be absolutely transformative. And, and are they better off in their own environment where you know they're getting into trouble or maybe getting out of that environment, getting out to camp and seeing a different way um, in, a, in a safe and kind of protective bubble where you can, you can watch over some of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. And our last question in the Pulse, what are you creating? I have been on my hand crocheting kick. I love it. It's something that just um, I'm able to, you know, pray as I do it. Like it's, I can like lose myself in doing it. So I've, I've loved doing that. And then right now, um, I do owe Darrell <laughs> a, um, something made on my cricket and I, I will do that. That's next. Yeah. I, I'm looking forward to getting that in 2026. <laughs> <laughs> what are you creating Darrell? 
right now I am creating uh, a loft bed and some <laughs> stuff in the room for the girls. They want it to kind of give it a shot at being roommates again. <laughs> and uh, so we're... <laughs> Cracks me up. There's six and three? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, so, seven and four. Seven and, and four. Week, okay, a, got it. In a week or so. Yeah. 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 The way they... it's They are so funny because they fight so much, but they cannot <laughs> stay away from each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like... They'll fight so much, and I'll say, hey, why don't you guys separate for, like, 10 minutes? And it, within those 10 minutes, it's, like, torture. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, they're... But you know what? It's something also that I prayed for. You know, part of us wanting to have two girls similar in age is because we knew we would be moving a lot, and we wanted them to always have a friend, so... Absolutely. Um, I had an opportunity recently to, um, to actually do a a television interview, which I used to do with some frequency when I was the director of communications for the Salvation Army. Um, but in this new role, I have not done it for, uh, close to, well, three and a half, close to four years. And, um, while that's not the most creative, uh, you know, the most creative venture per se, um, I do enjoy it and I do feel like, um, I've been, I've been gifted with it. I've, I've seen many people sort of stumble in front of a camera. It, it definitely throws people off. Um, but it does not make me nervous in the same way that it makes a lot of people nervous. And, um, and so I enjoyed talking to an NBC Connecticut reporter about, uh, our project and this installation. We have, we have a, a preview of the museum that's installed at the Connecticut state house for, um, the, the balance of February and maybe a little bit into March. So that's what the interview was about, but it was kind of cool to be working with a reporter again and, and be back in front of a camera. And that's cool. and it prompted me to shave my beard because it looked absolutely <laughs> nappy and wild on, on television. So, um, yeah, now my beard is a little shorter. And, you know, it wasn't like a James Harden kind of organized beard. It was It was a real rat's nest. Are you going to also try to force your way out of your next interview? <laughs> I don't think I'll be doing that. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have been pursuing Willow for so long to come on to the podcast. She's such a dedicated listener, listens to every episode before it's even released. Now I'm going to go binge all the episodes. <laughs> believe, no, she's not. believe it when I see it. And um, keep in mind, I have the stats. So, um, But uh, it has been wonderful to have you on. It's been wonderful to hear the two of you interacting again. I miss that. Uh, all men marry up. Some of us overachieve. And um, it's just been great to, uh, to to be with the two of you. I very much enjoyed pressing the mute button and just letting you guys spar. <laughs> and um, and I'm looking forward to to actually seeing you in person sometime soon. I miss you guys. Yeah. Did you, well, were you in you, Col- the last time we saw you was in Columbus, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah well, Willow will be up at the Worship Arts Convocation. I will. Oh, Are good. you going? Yes. Yeah, I'll be there. Yes. And uh, and I think Amy's going to that as well. So yep. yes, we're. We, driving up together. We plan to uh, record several uh, podcasts at that event, um, in- including an interview with the territorial commander. That's exciting. Yeah, it's very fancy. He's a fun guy. <laughs> That'll put you on the map. Absolutely. Yeah. Maybe then you'll listen. <laughs> That's what, yeah. yeah, your names, you know. You got to get big stars for me to listen. 
all the folks at Asbury Park are going to tune in. <laughs> we'll go from five listeners to six after that. Demographic swing. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, take care, guys. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, Drew. You too. Thank you for having me.